Welcome to the Wave of Insight podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and professional clinical counselor. And I'm Ginger, a licensed clinical mental health counselor and addictions counselor, and I'm in training to be a psychedelic-assisted psychotherapist. A quick disclaimer about our podcast. The Wave of Insight podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute advice, therapy, or services. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. We're really excited to have you here. We have a special topic today. Ginger is going to talk about her experiences with low-dose naltrexone. Um, A really quick, quick disclaimer. Uh, We are not MDs. We are not giving any sort of medical advice. This is literally, we are just talking about um, Ginger's experience and nothing more. So we are not prescribing anything. We are not saying you should take this. We, We are not giving any medical advice whatsoever. So with that in mind, I'm going to let Ginger talk a little bit about it. Great. Thanks, Rachel. And yeah, I love these disclaimers. And, you know, as much as sometimes things might work for one person or we might want to share an experience that we have, we are like that N of one. And so uh, there's plenty of information out there on the internet and then also in podcasts on low-dose naltrexone. So if you kind of have a little spark and excitement around some things I share, then I would encourage you to go to low-dose naltrexone research trust, which is LDN research trust. I think it's .org. Or there's also a low-dose naltrexone podcast from the research trust that really talks more in depth about uh, the science behind low-dose naltrexone and conditions that people use low-dose naltrexone for and gives more of a medical insight. And so today we're just talking more about my journey with low-dose naltrexone. So, okay. So tell me, because this is something I know practically nothing about other from just talking to you. What is low-dose naltrexone for our listeners? Low-dose naltrexone is a a medication that generally has been prescribed at what's called the kind of standard dose of naltrexone, which is 50 milligram dose of naltrexone. And naltrexone was originally developed to help people with things like opioid addiction to reduce cravings, as well as um, it's been shown to work quite well with alcohol use disorder and cravings associated with alcohol use. And what it does at the 50 milligram dose is it seems to uh, interrupt some of the the pleasure or reward associated with drinking or um, with opioids specifically it um, is a very strong binder to the opioid uh, receptors. People that are using opiates would not want to take this medication because it would put you into withdrawal immediately. So that's something to be aware of. And so that's why it's been used to help with cravings though. So if someone's taking naltrexone, then they're not going to get, you know, one, they're not going to get high if they do end up taking an opiate. Um, And if they're already taking opiate, it's really not good to take this because you'll immediately be going into withdrawal and kind of like a, it's not very um, different than like naloxone, which is used in Narcan. So it's pretty, it's a very similar uh, substance. Okay. But you're not taking it at the 50 milligram dose. Right. So, so what research has found at this that naltrexone at a very low dose and there's even ultra low dose. And so low dose is generally between one milligram and 4.5 
up to six milligrams is usually threshold. Um, and then there's ultra low dose, which is like down to like 0. 0.001 milligrams of naltrexone. So it's, it's a very actually strong medicine. And at the lower doses, it works differently in our systems. At the lower doses, it actually uh, becomes uh, like a pro anti uh, like pro anti inflammatory. So it reduces inflammation in the body, and it increases the release of endorphins in the body. And so it has this natural analgesic effect. So natural pain killing effect in essence, and it reduces inflammation. And so there's a lot more that it, it kind of does in the cascade of uh, experience in the body. And it really has different effects depending on different conditions that people might be accessing it for. So again, if people want to get a deeper dive into the actual mechanisms of action, there's a lot of research online about that. And it's been well, um, it's been around for like 50 plus years. I mean, it's a, a very well-known substance. Cool. Okay. So it's anti-inflammatory. It also sounds like in these lower doses, it has kind of a, like maybe a mild analgesic effect. What, cause you, you've been taking it at, at a low dose. What is it that you feel or what is it that you notice? When I first started taking the naltrexone, it was recommended to me because I have a, um, a, a neurological motor movement disorder, which is very, very mild at this point. It's very well regulated in my system. And, but there's some pulling in my neck of dystonia in my neck. And so that can cause uh, a bit of pain. And it was recommended for me to start low-dose naltrexone. So I had started taking it and right around the time that I, I started taking it, I was doing a lot of just my own study and research around the vagus nerve. And so some people might be familiar with the vagus nerve. It's the longest cranial nerve in our system. And it runs from uh, the base of our brain, our brain stem down um, through major organs and our, our face, eyes, ears, nose, um, throat, kidneys, lungs, heart, uh, ends in our colon, goes through our gut, ends in our colon. And it's really uh, responsible for regulating, in essence, our interplay between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system in a lot of ways. So the vagus nerve, we think about as really being in charge. And I don't want to oversimplify it, but I'm going to simplify it some because there's a ton of information about the vagus nerve out there as well. We look to engage in vagus nerve activities to upregulate our parasympathetic nervous system. So our nervous system that's in charge of rest and digest. And so the vagus nerve is very much connected to our rest digest system, the healing system in the body, kind of very low and in a low vagal tone is associated with a lot of mental health conditions as well as physical health conditions. And so you could imagine if, if we're um, nervous system is constantly in that fight, flight, freeze experience, that trauma reactive experience, then our, our system's really worn down. And so we're a lot more susceptible to disease as well as uh, mental health conditions and struggles. So it sounds like naltrexone at low doses has a positive impact on, on the vagal nerve. Well, that's a great question. And this is something that I'm really curious about to do outside of 
uh, myself to learn more about. Um, and so any researchers out there, a big invitation uh, to you around this curiosity around the relationship between low-dose naltrexone and the vagus nerve. And so when I was first starting the low-dose naltrexone, I was doing my own research on the the vagus nerve and vagal tone, which is measured through heart rate variability. And so what that means, you know, between each, um, you know, our heartbeats, there's a certain amount of variability and the greater variability means kind of this greater vagal tone, this greater strength in our system and our ability to respond. In. And so there's a an app actually called Welltory where you can measure your vagal tone. How do you spell and it? Um, W-E-L-L-T-O-R-Y. Well, Tori, okay. Tori. So I had just happened to be using that prior to starting the Lotus Naltrexone. And what I found was, you know, I had a, let's say moderate to, to in between moderate and low vagal tone. And so, you know, not amazing, which makes sense. I'm very much a trauma survivor. I grew up in a lot of trauma as a child and then once I started taking, because I was taking, you know, readings daily at that point of my uh, vagal tone. And once I started taking the naltrexone, I noticed my vagal tone went up to like 100%. So it was like optimal. And not to say oh. that it's optimal to always have a really high vagal tone. I don't know if we know that yet. Wow. And so what did, what did you notice like, like on a physical level? with the improved vagal tone? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's some things that have always been present in my body and I, I've, I've kind of um, come to uh, be a little humorous about those things. For example, I'm, I generally had always had like a little sweat going on and it's like, no matter what temperature it is, you know, there's this part of the sympathetic nervous system that is when it's activated, right? There's, there's a sweat going on. There's a little sweat going on. And so, um, I used to always just say, I just like to be sweating, whether it's hot or cold, <laughs> I like the sweat, you know? Um, but really my body was just continually in the sympathetic nervous system response, which was causing this chronic sweat and not, not extreme, yeah. but it's always yeah. there. And that stopped. And so I was wow. in this like physiology sweat response to kind of this heightened nervous system, ready to engage um, activation. And so that, that was a pretty key thing. That's that, huge. Yeah. Like no matter how much meditation I've done or, and I've, I've done quite a bit, it, it never really touched like this nervous system transition um into uh not having this cold sweat or being mm -hmm. on that activation system activation level yeah so it sounds like really kind of helping your system shift from this kind of more sort of fight or flight maybe sort of chronic fight or flight pattern into maybe being able to activate your parasympathetic nervous system a little bit more kind of rest and digest yeah cool and Another way that manifested for me, um, as, as a child, there was like, um, a lot of, uh, things happened when I was sleeping. So it was uh, kind of like a danger time for my body system. And so as an adult, I'm, I've been a really light sleeper, like anything happens and I wake up 
And um, when I started on the low-dose naltrexone, I was actually sleeping really solid through the night. Wow. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't hypervigilant at night either. Yeah. Yeah. So then you could actually get, you could actually get quality rest, constantly having to sort of be on alert. You know, that's one of the things that's actually really amazing. We tend to think of like when we're asleep that, that we're unconscious and it's, it's not the case at all. Actually, there's so many different layers of consciousness um, that exist for us. And that's probably why, like, I'm sure everybody has had the experience of something waking you up in the night. Um, it doesn't even have to be something that loud necessarily, but what happens is your, your, you know, parts of your brain are sort of constantly scanning the environment, even when you're asleep. And so there might be some, and some of us are, you know, very late sleepers. And that's because those parts of our brain are kind of over overactive at night. And so then things that really shouldn't be waking us up are in fact waking us up. Some people have the opposite problem, which is like, my husband is like this. It's like our smoke detector will go off because our house is weird and they malfunction sometimes if the power goes out and it's like, I'll be up running around and Jack is still sleeping. So he's, he's <laughs> opposite, I think not enough scanning at night. Yeah. And so that was a big shift as well. And, and something about just like my nervous system finding a place of rest. Mm, yeah. Um, so those were two two things that I noticed uh, pretty immediately within the first couple weeks or so of being on the low-dose naltrexone. And then the other element, of course, is pain reduction. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been in, just incredible as far as reducing um, pain. And, and I think that has to double, like everything, there's, there's pros and cons to it. And I know sometimes when I'll take the low-dose naltrexone, say if I work a lot in the garden and I have some shoulder injuries. So if I work a lot in the garden and I know that I'm going to have this inflammatory response, I will just take it um, for uh, you know uh, four days, three days, four days. And I totally don't end up in this like pain cycle, which wow. um, it, yeah, it's it's a really lovely thing to not, have to ex- experience the pain consequence. And I guess part of me, you know, this is one of the things that I get really curious about with Lotus naltrexone is am I like, I don't want to hurt myself because I don't realize that, that maybe I am in pain or is there just this healing going on? Um, Cause it does promote healing. Uh, and that's one of the the big elements of Lotus naltrexone is it, it works uh, to initiate uh, healing in the body. Yeah, automatic healing system is is um, blocked for a, a couple hours, and then because it's blocked, the body says, "Oh shoot, we're not doing the healing we need to be doing." And then so it kind of like sends out all these healing endorphins and says, "Get to work." Wow, that's super cool. But is it like when you take it? Is it is it like you can't feel pain at all? No, no. So okay. but so. That's a great question. And and this is where it gets a little tricky. Um, in my experience, I I certainly I think there if you're in like really intense pain or you know, you have something intense happen, you would I imagine be able to feel it's not like you're numbed out in any way. I will say though, um, when I first started taking it, I I was doing a sauna and I, it wasn't even half an inch, maybe quarter inch, like just a little nick. But I think generally I would have felt like the heat or I would have felt like, ouch, or pulled my, and I didn't really, I was just like, oh, isn't that interesting? I see. I just 
I have a little burn there. Oh no. But I didn't really feel the burn. So I think in that sense, there is something, you know, something to be really cautious about yeah. with lotus naltrexone and pain. And what's, you know, where is the balance between being out of pain when your body's in this kind of pain response cycle, like yeah. having a pause on that so some mm-hmm. healing can happen versus masking something that maybe your body is saying pay attention to. But that's sure. something that I think about. And so within that, I, I don't use lotosinotrexone, I would say like chronically, I, I, yeah. I kind of will do um, periods of it. Like when I first started, I did three, I think I did it for three months and then stop for how many ever months. And then I, I might pick it up for like a week or something, depending on what's going on with my system and how I'm feeling. But really that first three months is where my nervous system had a shift and that's been permanent for me. I feel like I was able to learn what it is to be in the parasympathetic Mm. nervous system. And I don't think I had had that opportunity in my past. That's huge. I mean, we talk a lot about like people who have experienced trauma in their lives and getting sort of stuck, kind of stuck in a, in a fight or flight state. Um, and, and that really is what's happening in terms of the nervous system you know, ideally what we want is what's called dynamic homeostasis between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system, which basically means like you can have excursions to one side or another and then have the nervous system kind of come back to center like like a, like a rubber band, right? Like a rubber band can stretch, but then it can come back to center. There's a really good book actually about this by Robert Sapolsky um, called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And mm-hmm. it's a it's a really fascinating look at the way dynamic homeostasis occurs in other species um, and species who are facing, you know, threats to their life, like a zebra, you know, is facing sort of daily threats to its existence kind of out on the plains. And um, it's it's really it's really fascinating. And and certainly we can get sort of stuck you know, stuck on one side or the, you know, or the other. Some people kind of get stuck in parasympathetic land, people who are suffering from a lot of like chronic depression and, and that sort of thing. So it certainly can go both ways. I mean, it just sounds like the low-dose naltrexone is such an amazing tool to, to help, like help shift that. And it's neat because, I mean, it's not like, like you're a really seasoned therapist, you know, a lot of tools and techniques, you know, to, to help reset your nervous system, but it just sounds like this is like, and this is just an additional boost. That's huge. Yeah, you're right. I know a lot of like techniques and I've used a lot of techniques and I've done um, like Vipassana meditation sits and I've been a, a, a practitioner of meditation, but it's, you can't really reset to something you haven't experienced. And I think that was really yeah. what Logos Naltrexone gave me was like an experience of what does it mean to be in the parasympathetic nervous mm-hmm. system for a duration of time? Yeah. Um, and, and one element in that is like, you need a safe environment. Like I have a safe environment. I don't have domestic violence going on. I don't, you know, I, 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 my home is, is, uh, you know, I would say trauma free for the most part. I mean, sometimes my dogs go at each other. That's a little traumatic or something for a moment. Um, but, but, you know, I'm in a very safe environment. So it's very, it's, it's safe for me to allow that parasympathetic nervous system space to unfold as well. So I think that's an element too, to think about. And, you know, Stephen Purgett, Purgett's of um, the polyvagal theory, 
he talks about how when people first start using uh, vagus nerve exercises to really strengthen the vagus nerve uh, to get more activation in that parasympathetic nervous system, that there can actually be a place where people have overwhelmed from feeling too vulnerable. And that was something that I did experience about three months in. I just, I felt too open, a little too raw, a little too vulnerable to the world and the environment. Um, and so then that became a little discomfort. And that was another reason why I, I kind of stopped it for a bit. I was just like, I, I just feel too emotionally vulnerable. Um, and so there's a balance. And I love that rubber band analogy, right? Because that's what we're looking for is a balance. But we need, you know, these opportunities to kind of experience what's the parasympathetic nervous system? What does it feel like to be in the sympathetic nervous system? And how do they work together? And how do we find balance between them? Um, and so having, for me, the the experience of the lotosnaltrexone to even just be able to really get into that parasympathetic nervous system. And I will say, if you Google low-dose naltrexone and parasympathetic nervous system, you're probably not going to find much on it because mm. I think the research hasn't been done. Although I think there's a real nugget of gold in there and I hope someone will research it. Or if someone out there is a <laughs> researcher that wants me to come to a PhD on this topic, I would happily do that because I feel that passionate about what low-dose naltrexone is doing for the vagus nerve and potentially the parasympathetic nervous system. It's so cool. Hopefully we have some enterprising graduate students listening to our <laughs> podcast who maybe want to yeah. take this and take this and run with it. <laughs> is is there anything else that you want our listeners to know? I, I think most importantly, just to do your research, you know, um, some medical providers yeah. are very open to low-dose yeah. naltrexone. The low-dose is off-label use. So it's another one of those things where you might, um, your provider may or may not think it's a good idea and, you know, listen to them. They are an expert in their field and there's some great podcasts and information that you could always bring into them. If they haven't heard of it, you could help educate them as well, because there's um, there's a ton of information out there on low-dose naltrexone. I guess the other thing I would say is there is a sense of uh, a certain amount of stability in our life that we need in order to, to, to engage in something that would activate that parasympathetic nervous system. And so, you know, to keep that in mind as well. Yeah. And, and I really appreciate an opportunity to share some about uh, low-dose naltrexone because I think it is a, a really remarkable medicine. Oh man, no, this is, this is an awesome topic for today. I mean, I think we're just learning so much more about different drugs and the potential for using them at lower doses for, for different, for different things. I mean, certainly there, there are lots of drugs that are prescribed off-label for all kinds of different things. I mean, I, I myself take a medication for blood pressure that actually is prescribed off-label for quote, hormonal acne in mature women. I don't really like <laughs> to think of myself that way, but, um, but yeah, so it's, you know, I mean, there are a lot of things that are used in ways other than like what they were originally intended for, but I think we're also finding out like sort of like microdosing, right. Mm. You know, with different drugs and there may be some, some actually really great potential there. So I appreciate you wanting to share your experience with it. It's so cool. Yeah. And it's it's kind of an interesting over time too. When I first started on it, you know, one thing that if people do end up going on it or maybe you've experienced 
people out there have had already experimented with low dose naltrexone is originally I started, um, you know, like half a milligram. And then every two weeks, there would be another a milligram added until you kind of find your sweet spot. And that's a really nice thing about it too, is like it, you're listening to your body to see that where, where is the right spot mm. for me and low dose naltrexone and more doesn't mean better which is a really nice thing. And actually some people go less and less. And certainly I've found originally my sweet spot was around like 2.25 milligrams. And then as I've returned to it for different periods of time over the last couple of years, now it's like one milligram, you know, it's just, and and I kind of noticed this feeling inside me, almost like a feeling you might get, uh, or I'm, or I've experienced if there's like a real stress response, right? There's almost like this. You can feel the cascade of the cortisol hormone just being released in the body, right? It's like yeah. this flood of like, oh, yeah. And um, it's the similar. I had a similar kind of feeling with low dose naltrexone when I was on the four milligram dose, which it just it didn't feel like necessarily unpleasant, but it definitely felt like there's a flood of stuff being released, and it felt like too much of that so too many endorphins being released many in my system for my balance and so there's kind of like these nice ways to get to know the body and what's too much and and how to adjust the other thing that is just worth mentioning is uh lotus naltrexone and you can find this on the internet and your provider might tell you as well it's because it's off label, it has to go through a compounding pharmacy. And sometimes that isn't really accessible for people that uh, can't afford it. It's not, it's not super expensive. Like you can get three months for $40 once you know what your dose is. So that might not be unaccessible, but for some people it might be unaccessible. Um, And you can always get a prescription for the 50 milligram uh, dose and it is water soluble. And so there's a lot of information online about that, where you just dilute it in like 50 milliliters of water. And then you just do a milliliter each night for, you know, a milliliter was, is then going to be, um, one milligram of low dose naltrexone. So, so you can kind of, you know, do a a little bit of math or there's calculation tables too online for that. That's a good thing. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have even thought of that, but yeah, that you would need a compounding pharmacy, which of course, if you're like us and you live in rural Vermont is not something that you're going to have in your backyard. Right. Definitely. For me, it was coming out of New Jersey. So thank you, New Jersey. Yeah. 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 I think we had, this is off topic, but I think we had one more thing that we wanted to put out there to our listeners, which is that if you are a listener of our podcast and you have something you want to share, either a personal experience or maybe a professional experience, and you want to join our podcast, um, let us know. Yeah, we would definitely be interested in hearing from you and also um, topics you, you'd like us to talk about. And then I think we're going to also start bringing in um, colleagues as guests uh, on the podcast. And so you'll probably hear Rachel with um, some of her colleagues and you'll hear me with some of my colleagues. Um, and we'll kind of get that East Coast, West Coast because Rachel moved here not that long ago, although she did grow up in Vermont. She moved here not that long ago from California. And so we kind of have a nice a nice spread of the country. Yeah. Well, we hope everybody enjoys this episode and... <laughs>